Hi there and welcome back to the FFS podcast. I'm your host Pradi once again and this is episode number 8 of the FFS podcast series which is the main flagship series of the FFS podcast. And to those of you wondering why I'm saying all of this it's because we do have a sister series a, a much shorter podcast series I yeah I call it called the MWF which runs every Wednesday. This runs every Sunday so if you're listening to this you're probably listening it listening to it on a sunday or an early monday morning going to off uh so anyway welcome and if you listened to our previous podcast episodes and you're joining us then i thank you for listening to all of our episodes and welcome back to those of you just joining us right now uh please stay through through this entire episode and then go back and listen to our previous episodes i highly recommend them uh there's really really insightful topics now Today's podcast is probably today's podcast episode probably got the privilege and the honor of being the first ever guest chosen uh topic in a way or at least for season 2. Uh, I know we did some of the in our previous season we did do some of the left field topics which are definitely uh chosen by some of our guests but today was the first time I've exercised my right on Twitter to ask my guest to choose the topic and the person who has chosen that particular topic is on the podcast of course it only seemed right and so before i say the top the word topic too many times let me try and t- let me tell you that we are going to be discussing about the nations league uh, and international breaks and how they what the thoughts are about those breaks by from our guests as well as also how they've affected you know players from each of our teams right we i can firmly say that we've all been affected in one way or the other our teams rather have been affected in one way, one way or the other by through these international breaks um so before we get into that in greater detail let me start with introductions and they've all been on the podcast before so if you've listened to our previous episodes you might have heard of them uh so let's go alphabetical order and let's start up, start up with alankit alankit would you like to tell us a bit about yourself Hey, hi hi yeah. uh my name's Lankit um might know me as Alan uh, so i'm a Bayern Munich fan and uh, since it's about the nations league i support germany in international football uh so yeah that's like i've been watching football for like the past decade or so so yeah, that's that's me awesome and to those of you listening Alankit was the person who kind of suggested this topic because and i also thought it would be appropriate this week because we the whole of football taking this international break everyone's gone playing international friendlies and nations league and stuff like that um and then next we move on to arjun uh, arjun would you like to tell us a bit about yourself hey hi guys thanks for tuning in uh firstly since we're recording this on diwali well happy diwali to everyone uh and um yeah i've been watching football for 12 years i've been on the podcast a few times before uh talking about the left field topics that he was talking about earlier um uh, but yeah i've been supporting arsenal for like 12 years now uh but i keep switching teams allegiances internationally i would say um and yeah for the past world cup i think i supported france so that was good uh i have no idea who i'm going to support for the euros uh but yeah that's me i guess Awesome. All right. And uh next we move on to Chinmay and uh before that sorry Arjun uh, I think the word few is an understatement in the number of podcasts you've been on this I mean number of episodes you've been on this podcast. I think that's 
it's been more than a few but uh we we get to that a little bit later uh, chinmay why don't you go ahead and give us a brief introduction this is chinmay first of all a very happy diwali to everyone and uh, i'm a barca fan i'm based out of new delhi and i've been supporting barca for close to a decade now so it's been a ride this last decade glad to be with you on this podcast awesome all right and lastly we have daryl daryl take it away Hi, good evening, everyone, and happy Deepavali to everyone out there. I'm Daryl from Singapore. Been a Tottenham Hotspur fan since uh, 1994, so it's been a uh, 20 about 26 years, and um, glad that uh, Brady invited me back uh, just to speak about the Nations League during this uh, international break. All right, so you've heard from our guests, and let me start by asking you all what you thought of. I mean, we all have our notions about international break you know whether we think that those are really needed given the tough schedule fixture especially for the premier league fans um i i i'm not sure how it is for bundesliga and for la liga because i i think for bundesliga and la liga there was the winter break for so many years I think it's only something that's recently been introduced in the premier league so uh you know in terms of fatigue and tiredness going travel and all of that but uh in terms i mean Three years ago, uh, I yeah, I would say around three years ago, UEFA came up with this new international uh, tournament called the Nations League, and personally, I felt it was you know adding to the already long list of uh, uh, the already big burden that was placed on these players' shoulders, and and this. and the way that they explained it was very very complex at least personally and i wanted to know what did what would what went through your mind when you first heard of these of this new tournament uh, so again we'll probably do it alphabetical order just initially and then we can break out later on so alankrit when you heard of the nations league was it something that you thought okay this seems interesting enough or did you think oh no here we go again not another useless tournament um i had like a mixed reaction so it was a bit of both So on one hand, I personally never liked the international break earlier on because it felt like it was just pointless friendlies in the middle. So there was no real, um, how do you say? There was no real trophy or anything. Or you weren't fighting for anything. Like and right. until the qualifiers or anything started, it, there wasn't real any pressure on the players to play these games. It just felt like. Oh, we have to break up the domestic calendar and just shove in a few international games in the middle to like keep the players in touch. Or so, so like I was never a fan of the international break. But then when UEFA came up with the new calendar for like the Nations League, I did think it was an interesting idea. But like as you mentioned, it was very complicated, and I mean it still is very complicated. And it does. It, I don't think it really solved the problem of just playing. international matches between domestic calendar and I, i still don't think it's a good way to go forward i think it needs like i i like the idea of keeping competitive games and keeping in international teams on their toes always but like i don't see the nations league as the solution for it okay arjun what are your thoughts on this as well um honestly it's a bit interesting uh because obviously i'm talking about it from a football fan's perspective as someone who supports a club uh but also living in the netherlands um i do know that you know for nations league matches and eight and the national team plays the entire country is orange you know so i remember there was a game in rotterdam uh, a while ago 
and uh, yeah, basically you couldn't go anywhere because the streets were just filled with orange, and that was for a Nations League game. So, uh, so I think there is support from people who are locals, or you could say are competing in the tournament. But obviously, I understand that it's frustrating for Premier League fans. And I remember even when Nations League was announced initially, um, you know, uh, managers like Klopp and a lot of the other big managers kind of said it was pointless. And uh, I kind of agree with Alan to that point where he said, you know, uh, the calendar is a bit more congested because of it. But I, I think the rationale behind Nations League was to uh, was to get uh, more importance to international matches by giving them some incentive to play with. Uh, so, kind of reducing the amount of quote-unquote international friendlies by, you, by, by using it in like a tournament form and getting more viewership and more support, generating more uh, fan following for the national teams. And I think from that perspective, it's actually doing its job but obviously, the the fixture congestion, especially now during COVID, is 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 something that should be looked at. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll probably I want to comment on that, but I'll do that a little while later. Uh, Chinmay, your thoughts on this? I mean, like it's it's echoing everywhere. It's a it's an it's it feels like it's echoing everywhere right now. The fact that fixture condition conditions have a terrible effect on the injuries, the sustained injuries, and how. It's going to have an effect in the long term on 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 the league fixtures as well as the UCL, and you know with the introduction of many things like the so Baltimore hinted at a new continental league, right? So that would be something uh, that also has r- ruffled the feathers up for the players. And as Tony Cruz recently expresses views on this, that you know this is, we are just being played as as if we are puppets right now. I mean these things are definitely worrying right now. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. I, mean, I. I can. I can see why players. I think with the with the addition of that European Super League as people want, and the fact that it is not a summer tournament, rather it will be in the midst of the normal domestic uh, schedule. It. It definitely right. would would further upset players who feel like yeah they're just being just because they there are millions and millions of pounds involved. They, that that doesn't mean that right. their own personal personal health is, should be at risk. Um, and, okay, uh, lastly, Daryl, uh, what were your thoughts about the Nations League when you first heard of it? Yeah, when I first heard about the uh, Nations League, I was intrigued by it. And um, it tried to make sense of all these international breaks because on pre-COVID, we would have uh, the three main international breaks, I guess. I think se- September, October, and then uh, November. And um, they would just play friendlies. Uh, if they were not playing qualifiers. So UEFA came out with doing the Nations League, I think in the year that there's no uh, World Cup or Euro qualifiers. And uh, it makes sense because there's something on the line, uh, even though there's uh, four teams in a group and then like one gets renegated, um, you know, and then it could be fun because in the t- in, in the top tier, in the in like League 1 of the teams, right, um, like maybe like Croatia or something like that or Spain or even England could get renegated if they finish bottom like renegated into League 2 um, at least it somehow will get people interested because there's something on the line uh, that makes sense I think the whole issue now is because with COVID and with the different uh, testing regulations across uh, all countries uh, in Europe you, you don't have uh, that safety for the players you know uh, players could 
meet up with the international teams and then not get properly tested or other players will not be tested, their teammates. And then um, the players could get COVID and then they go back to the clubs and then, you know, COVID could spread then. So so that's the risk here. And I think that's why there's a lot of uh, frustration that is going on uh, during the current international break. Like how come players are still traveling um, you know, during this time when we are trying to battle with uh, the COVID pandemic. I think that's the issue here. And um, like this weekend, there's so much going on in terms of the international games. And um, because they just had the qualifiers for Euro 2021 now, right? They just had a few teams who played the playoffs, sorry. And then you have the Nations League going on. And then suddenly England is playing like a friendly game against uh, Republic of Ireland. Like, why are England doing that? Why don't they just give it a rest? Why don't they just let the players rest, you know? Uh, England are already true to the Euros and and yet they are still organizing uh, friendly matches. Uh, I think that's the that's the frustration of a lot of the fans like us who support the clubs and rightfully so because we see the clubs playing every week. National teams, we always look forward to them uh, but that's always like in the summer months when there's a World Cup or when there's a Euros. Obviously, during the international breaks, we get very frustrated and we're wondering why the players are always flying off and that's pre-COVID. Now with COVID, um, there's the added issue that players could get uh, the virus. I think Mo, Mo Salah uh, has gotten COVID now. And then uh, Sun Hyun Min, he went out with uh, South Korea and then he might have COVID because his teammates had it. And uh, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo had it in the previous international break. I think this is the frustration that a lot of the fans are feeling at the moment. Yeah, I, I definitely. And especially as a Tottenham Hotspur fan, knowing how you know sacred certain players are to... To the team, I think every we're going into every international break, you must be praying that you know let let Harry Kane not get injured this time, or let Jungman Sung not get injured this time. <laughs> yeah, that's why I guess we can understand that if like if it's for the qualifiers um, or even the Nations League, but for a friendly, and then now with the whole COVID situation, I think most of the club fans will be wondering why their players are traveling, still traveling across the world. It's so dangerous for for them. All right, I, I saw the hands go up, so I'm going to ask Alankrit first, and then we move on to Arjun. So, Alankrit, you had something to say regarding this. Uh, yeah, just just on that COVID part, like uh, I think England, the recent friendly that they played, a few players were tested positive for COVID-19. So, I guess a lot of English players are also going to get affected by it. And yeah, like it's, it, it, Salah was tested positive, and then uh, a few players uh, in, I think, the Ukrainian team, I think five of them have tested positive, so the game with Germany is not going ahead. Mm. And j- just not the players testing positive. There are like so many other countries with the different regulations, as mentioned. Uh, I think the Denmark squad, they, they couldn't fly into Denmark. Like the players who were playing in the other countries, they couldn't fly into Denmark because they have like 14 day mandatory quarantine. So they, but they can join the team that's going to the Belgium game. So it's it's not even cohesive. So this you're not actually even building team chemistry or anything by playing these pointless international friendlies and the Nations League right now with the whole COVID situation. Right. And uh, Arjun, your comments on this before... I, okay, and then Chinmay. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone has opinions of this, okay. on this. But no, actually, I was hearing uh, Daryl's comments. I just had a cross-question maybe to ask him and probably even open for... To everyone else, uh, do you guys think international um, tournaments are pointless? 
And uh, because because you said uh, about you know England playing, let's say Ireland in a friendly, yeah, and and you know um, kind of also what Alan said, which was uh, it. Some teams I understand they don't you can't build team morale and stuff, but I feel those friendlies are also essential for an international tournament because players cannot just you know show up once in two years and play competitive qualifiers or competitive tournaments. So if international tournaments are important, then friendlies are a part of it because you cannot just get that competitive spirit by training. And I think I might kind of disagree as well with with Alan for a bit because uh, even if a few, you know, uh, players or at least the core of a team uh, is able to play in a game competitively for your national team, I think that is very important as well. Uh, although there would be some injuries and suspensions, whatever, but I feel, yeah. So my question is basically: Do you guys think international tournament as a whole, not just the Nations League during COVID, is 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 something you guys are up positive right. about or negative about? Yeah. All right, uh, Daryl. Before you answer that, I want to get Chinmay's thoughts on before we get to that question. So Chinmay, what were your thoughts on the previous question or the previous part of it? I mean, uh, first I'll address. In more detail, what I think about the uh, the problems with with this particular with international friendlies and the international tournaments that are going on right now, I think even back in two thousand eighteen, I remember I remember Mourinho cribbing about it. I remember even Valverde was not really a talkative guy crib about it, the fixture conditions, and now it's just just uh, not manageable because of the COVID situation. And coming to COVID itself. I mean, uh, like pe- uh, players are getting tested left, right, and center right after they played a match with a, with another country's team, and that is something that is that is that that shows how insensitive and apathetic that the UEFA or FIFA have been to these players, you know. And to be very honest, I uh, I think international friendlies and international um, international tournaments are important because they they not just help uh, help to maintain that. Good balance for the players as a, as a national team, but also because they they, they foster a lot of uh, they foster a lot of I mean uh, progress in terms of the grassroots levels for each country where the where that particular event is happening or those friendlies or internationals are happening. So it's out of question that they are not important for me personally. But um, but coming back to my original point, that is like. So with with Ansu Fati going going out right now with this many, I, I'm sure you guys must have heard about his injury right now. He's out for five months, and I mean that is mostly attributed to the fact that there were so many fixtures. Now now a regulator like UEFA or FIFA would come and say we have five substitutions for you. Well, the, those five substitutions are for clubs like uh, Barca. They are for clubs like Real Madrid or United or Liverpool. And honestly, not right now. Not even Barca can afford to strengthen their squad or like deepen their squad right now. So for for all the all the all the teams who are like in the mid table or who don't have the much finances, I mean, the ads are stocked even more against them. You know. So what what sort of a decision making is FIFA or UEFA taking? It's it's highly motivated by just financial revenues and the 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 broadcasting revenues. It's, it's almost like a business right now. It's it is a business honestly without any. Any grounds uh, for for our players? To be honest, and I don't think international football is as important as people players' health or even their lives right now. You know, I'm sure everyone is enraged about it right now. 
Yeah, uh, I I would agree on that. I, I'm, and I'm not saying that international footballs or friendlies are completely pointless. I just, the okay, the game yeah. that England played with Ireland right now, it was a replacement friendly. It, they were supposed to play New Zealand, but the New Zealand government did not want their football team going from place to place and like yeah. coming back. So if one right. country is being so protective and safety conscious, and England could have just easily cancelled the friendly and just played the two Nations League games. There was no need to get another friendly, just given the gravity of the COVID situation. Like most of the disease is being spread Correct. because of a lot of air travel. So why put the players at risk? And it has come to bite them back now because a lot of players are testing positive. So are being tested. Right, right. It, that would yeah. happen. I mean, you're literally clashing two countries together with players from e- players playing in all the parts in Europe right now. So that's like, a, that's, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. I completely agree there. I did not know about the fact that it was a replacement friendly. Thanks for letting me know that. Then, uh, then it's definitely pointless, I would say. And Daryl, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, for me, I really got into football because of the 1994 World Cup and then I followed the journey of Italy and uh, Roberto Baggio bringing them all the way That's to wonderful. the final and then unfortunately, he missed the penalty. Um, for me, international football always has its place, um, a World Cup or Euros and always it's a uh, tough I mean, I don't follow the qualifiers. It's just when they do the draw and then when you see the teams and then it's like, wow, Hungary are in for it. Like they got France, Germany and Portugal in the same group for Euro uh, 2021 and all that. So definitely, um, it's great to have uh, international tournaments. The qualifiers are difficult, but I think the main issue here is uh, because of COVID and the players having to travel. Um, you know, why are we putting them at risk? I mean, I know they are elite athletes. Um, most likely, you know, they will get over COVID uh, by by uh, getting well in two weeks' time, you know, but you're just putting the players at risk and uh, the club suffers as a result. And um, with more games that they have to play, uh, there's a higher risk of uh, them getting injuries. I think that's the main issue here. And when England was the England, the country or UK was hit hard by COVID, they shut down the Premier League for three months. You know why can't uh, UEFA tell the clubs, you know, don't play uh, international matches now. If you need to get the playoffs done, just get it done. But no friendly matches, and then. Either the players rest, or we proceed the with the with the league with the European leagues as per normal. You know, you play a game every weekend and try to finish the league on time or earlier, and then let the teams meet up, the national teams meet up for a training camp. Um, you know, two weeks, three weeks, to, or even a month to prepare for the Euros. I think that would be better. In a way, there's no point of um, the teams meeting up now and them gelling because uh, five months, six months down the road. You know that that is lost. Uh, that that togetherness it's lost again, and you still have to build it up. You still have to meet after the season because once they go back to their clubs, that's where the focus is, and you spend the next five to six months with the clubs, and the bonds are there. You still need them to meet up um, after the domestic season, the league season has ended. So I feel there's really not much uh, team building that you can do at this moment uh, in time. All right, Arjun. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. Uh, the thing is. Uh, players who play international tournaments with a club. Um, so let's say the international tournament starts in July. The day after the season gets over, maybe they take a break for a week or something. And then they mm-hmm. anyway go and have a training camp with those teams, with their national team. And that's that's how it's always been 
irrespective of team or country, whatever tournament it's been. So that anyway is there. And those three weeks are, or four weeks are not enough for players from those teams to get, you know, to match fitness and to play competitively and to have match experience. That's my opinion, I think, overall on, on this. But from, on a larger perspective, I think everyone's basically saying that COVID is the reason why international games should not happen. Plus also their injuries because of fixed, fixture condition and stuff. COVID okay, yeah. has been a problem for like, nine months now yeah um so let's let's leave that to one side right for now let's focus just on the injuries bit um there are obviously more injuries because of international tournaments in general and after qualifiers and friendlies and all of that but again most people on even on this podcast are saying that they're essential like these international games are essential like or most of it are essential um so What's the solution then? Okay, I want to go. I, mean, I want to do the solution a little while later because that's probably like how I want to end it. But uh, Chinmay had something to say on this. Yeah, I was just one, uh, and uh, given the fact that international tournaments are quite important to promote the sports in general, because even my introduction to football wasn't the fact that I was a Barcelona fan or. Since I come from a country where football is not the primary sports that everyone follows, it was actually me watching the uh, the 2010 World Cup and and the hype up, hype around it that made me watch football or maybe take it more seriously as a sports. So international football is important in that way in general, but with with the with technology coming into relevance and football being as popular as ever, like it could ever be. I mean. The, the prominence and the irritation around international football is also there. And that's something that also needs to be acknowledged to have a nuanced understanding of this entire situation. Now, my, my, my point of concern here is that, you know, with, with Baltimore, I mean, he won't spill the beans unless like it's actually true. And UFI is probably going for that uh, little secret leak that they're planning of like uh, what I've heard till now is that there are there would be top four teams of each uh, league there is and they would probably join up in a, in some sort of a, uh, league, or a super league, league slash knockout mm-hmm. yeah it's it's the super league right so so mm-hmm. my concern is the concern here is that you know you're already playing your respective mm-hmm. leagues you're already playing UCL slash UEL you're also taking up internationals in between and you'll introduce this as well I mean either uh, like what's the agenda what's going on and is it it's not really the right direction for me and how would that squeeze in any like i would i just want to know everyone's thoughts in general on this especially with with this uh insight right now so okay. that's yeah. not been announced yet like that's just something that's in the works or reported leaks that's mm-hmm. not been announced yet that's not going to be in football cal- calendars if you speak to any expert or if you watch any news program they've just talked about it because well it's slow on the news cycle but I don't know. I don't think this is going to happen like anytime soon. So I don't think this is going to add to the fixture congestion. But I mean, if it does happen, it's bad for football, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think we we hope that it it won't happen because it is terrible for football in general. But I think there are more rumors now in the past couple of in the past month or so than there have been hey. at all. And DC and more journalists have, have. I mean, obviously Liverpool is one of the teams that. The, everyone said that has is in you know advanced negotiations with whoever is organizing this that and of course there are other teams like they said United City 
uh, Arsenal, I think, was also part of it or were in talks? Ars- then- Arsenal, United, Liverpool, Barca, Real, all these elite clubs, they, they are vouching for it. And, I mean, Arsenal should, honestly, since they've been stuck in UEL for a while. <laughs> but could <laughs> happen because of this is also a knock-on effect on the domestic leagues because these clubs they're gonna keep playing more games they'll probably buy more players and it's just yeah. gonna make the top six teams always be in the top six and the rest of the teams like it's gonna make it harder for them to break into the top six. Okay, but uh, okay, for other credit because you support Bundesliga and Bundesliga had the luxury of having a a winter break, right? So in the past and I'm. Taking COVID out of your out of this for a moment, but in the past, has there have you always or have you have are you as a Bayern fan or have you heard from other Bundesliga supporters kind of the apprehension every time the player goes to play international tournaments because there's that added risk of being fatigued and you know getting injured uh, while on international duty or kind of is your burden a little less because of the fact that. You have that winter break, and I know it's it's a small two week winter break, but two weeks is a decent amount of time. So, you know, from a Bundesliga, uh, from a different perspective, are you as paranoid as we are as Premier League fans? Where every time our players go and travel to uh, for international breaks, um, no. So I again, like up until Nico Kovac over, I wasn't overly paranoid about the international break because, okay, injuries and fatigue, that's part and parcel of the sport. Like, uh, Kimmich got injured playing against Dortmund. He didn't get injured playing for Germany. So, he could have got the same injury playing for Germany or he can get the same injury playing for Bayern. So, it doesn't matter where you get injured. You, in a yearly calendar, you're probably going to have 5-10% of your squad injured throughout. So, it's it's not a it's not a big thing that clubs don't plan for. The problem is uh, right now, like after Kovac took over, the squad size for Bayern has been smaller, uh, which was a bit more manageable with the two, three week winter break because players got like a small window of time where they can regenerate themselves into like uh, having sharper minds and like maybe take a bit of family time and enjoy the holiday period. But now with COVID and the calendar being more squashed in and playing games every three weeks, the squad size is quite thin. Or even a big club like Bayern, uh, we did make some few last-minute signings, but yeah, that's enough to keep us float. But uh, with the calendar being so uh, mm. close, like each game being like almost three or four uh, days apart, mm. the international games does put in a bit of pressure on you because, like right now, with Kimmich injured, he's, he was our main midfield warrior of sense. Like now, without Kimmich, more pressure is going to fall on Goretzka and Tolisso to probably carry the team forward and. Uh, with, and I'm not entirely confident yet on Toliso to do that role. Like the way Kimmich plays, it's the, the, there's a whole different dynamic to how Bayern plays. So with Kimmich out now for uh, three, four uh, months, at least, at least until January, I think, it's a bit uh, difficult. So if another player gets injured playing for Germany or not even an injury, now that it is COVID, if player does test positive, like Sane test positive, then we, we're going to have another player on the uh, hospital beds, which is not something we really want right now. No, I, I totally get the whole squad depth issue. I, I mean, the, the the importance of squad depth in in situations like this. I think even for us, right? Look at our defense right now with Van Dijk out, Gomez injured, um, Matip is predominantly here and there in the on the hospital bed, and then we've kind of only got our young youth squad. Even Trent, 
is out for a while. So yeah, I totally get the importance of squad depth there. But on the flip side, Chinmay, I mean Barcelona squad is already quite depleted. Uh, I mean, half, I think more a lot of players are either out injured or whatever. Yeah, mostly out injured or I don't think anyone's really been COVID positive yet. But uh, mostly I'm, injured or you don't care is that? Yeah. <laughs> but it, but I mean the international break, such like which is like a week or so. Does is that a positive for you guys because that gives that player? I mean, you don't have a game week in between, so your player can have that extra week off where he can recuperate and maybe then he's fit for the next week. I mean, is that I mean a honestly, positive in a way? Or yeah. Flipping? yeah. Uh, that's an interesting point, but like uh, right now, what's, what's essential is that you know. So so let's talk science right now, since since you know these regulators never really go to question the people who actually. Keep players fit. Fit. These are the, those fitness coaches and those physiotherapists who keep the fit players fit. There's no chance a player can play this much without getting any help or without getting any substantial help from these people who work tirelessly to make them fit, right? So uh, most of the most of the like uh, interviews or maybe like I mean I read I, I was on Reddit a while back and there was a physiotherapist who used to work for Crystal Palace. He wrote that you know uh, it's it's such a terrible idea not to consult us before making these fixtures. Because usually, what the process is, the, how he explained was, and I'm, uh, I don't, I, I'm not verifying its uh, authenticity, but how he said it was that you know, a fixture is decided, is distributed to the clubs, officials, or the boards, and they assi- they sign for for it, or there's a little back and forth that goes on for a week or two, and you know, you cannot really uh, pick up the clubs who uh, whom you want to play. You just you, you can just shuffle though. I think that's the procedure, but like. Why, why, why aren't they consulted right now with these fixtures? I mean, when we're talking about solutions, solutions come from the fact that, you know, you actually ask the right questions to the right people. Now, the right people are physiotherapists. The right people are the sports scientists who are working tirelessly. The right people are the sports researchers who, who are there for these kind of things, you know, the statisticians. I mean, these, these players are never, really, these, uh, uh, authorities are never really contacted or like, consulted in general so i'm not really sure if it helps us to be honest coming back to your question but i do think that you know whatever has been spoken so widely right now with united's physiotherapist saying that the three, there are three players i'm not sure it was it luke shaw lindelof and there's another player um all of these three injuries were because of the congestion so i mean there i suggested a, a bit of a solution consult the actual right people that's how it works in general since i'm a lawyer i, I know how how Drastically, it can improve the decision-making process. Yeah, and and I think you alluded to this earlier on with the Mourinho uh, interview, where right. I think he himself said that you know the we are not. Uh, this is all to do with biology, and this is all to do with sports uh, psychology True. and physiology and all of that. And I, right. I mean, there are experts who know what it is. You know, who know the player's body. And all of that, rather than the right. guys who are actually scheduling it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I can completely, I can get what, where you're coming from in terms of that because, yeah, it, no one actually. The, these are the guys who kind of go under the radar in terms of the support that they that players are given. Uh, it, you know, people normally kind of look at managers as the the last right, right. end or whatever the the last right, part. Right. And, uh, you know, nobody looks at the fact that, you know, there are nutritionists, uh, nutritionists, sorry, nutritionists, there are physiologists, there are the, the doctors and everyone over there who help keep players fit every month. Because 
you look at it from like right. a liverpool's perspective and it was a miracle that over the past few years none of our major players were out for like 2 to 3 months or 4 months and all of that um, yeah it's absolutely a miracle right right yeah and it's absolutely. it's down to it's down to and given the schedule congestion which is probably as one of the worst in terms of in with regards to the top 4 leagues in europe right the right. epl right. plays at least 8 to 10 matches in that december period when the bundesliga and probably the la liga are off during that period that winter break that too in winter is mind you where you know your body is not really at at, at its peak momentum you know your yeah. body is not really there there yet i mean who is doing all that so right consulting the right people is definitely the first step i would say and you know i just i i also like got into a discussion once with 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 my fellow barca supporters like this suggest suggest something for for fixture congestion because that was troubling me a lot after the anzu party incident because the thing is with anzu party when you're growing up i mean i i i'm not a physiolo- phys- physiotherapist when, but when you're growing up if between the period of uh, being at an age of 18 to 20 your bones are still maturing you know so it's a huge risk anyways to play play these players who are just simply maturing into adults right now and that injury is more or less because of the fixture congestion i'm too i'm pretty sure that 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 would be the official statement as well if the physiotherapist is actually consulted yeah i i i get i get your i mean your suggestion to kind of have them in the conversation when you're deciding all of this because at the end of the day and i think you guys might all agree with this if everyone starts getting injured and everyone with covid i'm adding covid to the mix as well if everyone starts getting positive results at the end of the day football is going to suffer as a whole okay you're not going to get the same you know free flowing style we kind of saw it with the liverpool city match itself i i don't know as much with the borussia bayern one but at least with the city liverpool match which was so so intense for the whole 90 minutes last time we saw the first 45 minutes being intense and then the next 45 minutes being kind of you know pro- probably players being really really tired after playing yeah, it just mellowed out how how much yeah. can these players take yeah uh but and these okay. are top top class players mind you they train very hard every day still it, they cannot t- tolerate it so this is not something that that should just be discussed and just forgotten about this is a serious discussion that we need to have right now you know and and another thing i suppose you guys might agree was the fact that none of these teams have had a good pre-season where you know normally this kind of stuff happens where people are you know get this whole uh, relaxation uh, and you know they're also trained for the upcoming season which is for the whole schedule picture um and uh, yeah i i now it was only 8 days this entire season or so two weeks maybe max so definitely plays into all of this uh, on the flip side daryl and alankit i mean you guys and we all praised nations league when it was first announced for adding that extra bit of competitiveness to international friendlies uh, because after all it seemed pretty i mean yes i do also agree from arjun's point of view when he's saying that international friendlies are important because at the end of the day the more international friendlies you win i feel the rank i think the ranking also goes up and the better your ranking then the better i suppose are your chances to qualify for the big tournaments i uh, if i'm not mistaken and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong on that uh but uh i i do agree but the but the flip side which is you know given the nations league and given how competitive it is do you think that there is a danger that these players are exerting uh you know 10% more than they normally would have and that's probably contributing to uh, an increase in risk of getting injured Daryl, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, I think uh, it's fine. I think that's what the Nations League was brought in to maybe uh, motivate the players, but mainly to also get the fans uh, interested. So the matches actually mean something. And to the fans, it feels like the players are trying more. Uh, maybe they've been playing um, competitively and consistently, you know, whether it's a, it's a one-off friendly or whether it's a Nations League or whether it's a Euro or World Cup qualifier. But to me, uh, definitely the Nations League bring some structure to um, the international break and uh, there's also a small reward reward sorry for the teams that do well in like the, the League 2 League 3 like if they're top of the the table and then they get promoted I think that's fine that's fine if the players um, are competitive and if they get an injury as a result you know it's part and parcel of uh, every sport or football and, and that is fine for me I think the the main reason uh, the main issue la, is the friendlies that, that we are still playing in this moment of time. Uh, even if you say there's no COVID, I will still question, you know, why why are England playing it, you know, just, just to make money um, for the TV rights. And of course, they they wish they had fans so they could make money off the tickets. To me, um, there's no need to play friendlies in this moment of time. Uh, let the players rest. Yeah, I, I, okay. I don't think, yeah, what are your yeah, thoughts on yeah, I agree with uh, the there is actually no need to play these friendlies given the current situation. I do like the fact that there is a there is a tournament like the Nations League that is incentivizing the international break. But yeah, I still feel there is there needs to be a bit more uh, structure to it. Like maybe something that's not so congested, which is also running parallel with the qualifiers and everything. Like maybe there's a certain time to play the Nations League, and then there's a certain time to do the qualifiers so there's no overlap and players don't play a lot of games throughout the year like we can definitely modulate the number of games they can play so everybody sort of wins right and you brought up this really important word which is qualifiers and what that was one of the key aspects of this uh nations league tournament which was that it would act as a way for certain club for certain nation national teams to qualify for the euro 2021 now I still do not understand how that works because I what I thought was that this would just this would just completely take over the whole qualification process and it would work in a way that teams that actually top their group or finish second would then kind of do some sort of a tournament and then they would be they would form the entire twenty one teams or how many ever teams that make up Euro twenty twenty one or Euro, any of the Euros. Uh, exactly. I know that I, I know they even had that a little bit of they have a link, slight link to the World Cup, which I even can't further can't understand. Uh, I mean, let alone I can't even. I all that I know is that you know, if you top the group, then you go into the semi-finals, blah blah blah. But I the whole relegation promotion and just way too complicated. And now, kind of doing full circle or not full circle, but semi-circle back to Arjun's question, which was: We all know these international breaks are you know a problem in terms of schedule congestion and all of that, but what are the solutions now going forward? Uh, and I'm going to ask again each one of you to tell me what you feel. I know some of you in, in have already slightly answered this in previous questions and all of that, but kind of for now and just for organization purposes. But uh, what did you? What do you guys feel should be done to the Nations League and international friendlies as a whole? Do you think? Like, I, do you think you should model it in such a way that the entire qualification process, everything, just happens? Inside the Nations League, that you just don't feel like you have to play. You you're following 
three different type of tournaments in that one international break or do you feel that it shall be kind of pushed over to the uh you know the the after the season or lastly do you feel like this should all just be scrapped and we go to what we kind of done before and yeah chinmay why don't you start off uh yeah so um i i honestly feel that like again the suggestion that i gave was to consult the right people and right ask the right questions to them now the the physiotherapists the 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 the, psycho, the sports scientists the, the people who actually keep the players fit they should be uh, asked the right questions and they should be involved at least in the decision making process or maybe just forward forward your decisions to them and get, get their reviews in time i think that would improve personally i just feel that that would imp- not just improve the decision making process or give give, give these uh, uh i would say empathetic uefa who is just so so money minded some perspective into what happens in uh, actual players lives and how difficult it is for everyone especially in europe right now to manage manage injuries to manage sustained injuries to manage squad squad depth and to to just maintain their own level of football right now so so let's just say just like ole said recently how are players supposed to play at their level best and not look like shadows of them of their former selves if they if they just keep on playing them at random times like 12:30 pm in the in the in the morning or in the in the afternoon and then you know then there's fixture condition as well so these things do not really add up and even if uefa is going for the fact that you know there should be more competitiveness in international football or there there should be some something extremely enjoyable to watch when actual tournaments happen like the euro, euro like the euros or the world cup or you know the, the major tournaments in general so that's not really going in the right direction to be honest and to uh, to consult for the right uh, consult the right people and ask the right question should be a first step forward and and another suggestion i would say is is to uh, is to tweak this substitution it might might sound stupid to be honest you know but rolling substitutions are done and they 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 might affect the quality quality of the gameplay or like the formations in general but you know rolling substitutions is just another suggestion and it would just change the entire dynamic of football in general but rolling substitutions can happen and uh, with rolling substitutions i think a uh, measure to keep in check the fact that you know the rich the richer clubs who can afford more quality subs don't exploit that power now that's for uefa to keep in check now they're not really great at checking in the even the financial fair play regulation so we cannot really yeah, I was about to say that's that's not their strong suit it's not exactly yeah that's would... that's not yeah their strong suit is actually just uh, earning money and being corrupt but um, you know it's just yeah. a suggestion <laughs> take yeah. it or leave it <laughs> yeah sure so, no yeah. i i think so even from all that, it, those are my suggestions to be honest I, i think even from what you said about ali about sh- players being a shadow of themselves that just opens up, that's why they are always criti- that's why people kind of criticize them at the end right like they don't realize that these as fans we right. kind of love the fact that there are there are more games every day you know we'd love it that if they played every other day or every day okay but and then we start criticizing them if they don't perform so thinking that you know they have to be right. at their level best right. so we criticize just like you criticized the city versus liverpool game you did not criticize it but you know you said that you know that was just just a lost game in the second half and that would happen yeah. you know yeah. and then then there would be a 15 year old coming at me in random comments or maybe just poking at me in my dms that you know bro like you don't really get how international football football works i was like well try <laughs> picking up football once in a while you would probably know <laughs> you know so so that's how it works that's how it should work i mean that's my suggestion to be honest 
Awesome. All right, uh, Arjun, your thoughts on this? As in, what are your, what do you, what would you uh, say would would be a reasonable solution to this? Look, I first thing the issue is, well, a mix of three things, right? It's between the finances, between the fitness of players, and the traditions that every country has with regards to competition. So, you know, it's it's very cool for managers like Mourinho or you know most club or anyone to say that you know um we are playing too many games a season but those are the same managers who spend or who want to spend 100 million on players you know i'm not attacking liverpool or man united i'm just saying consistently you know you cannot have you cannot spend money on players and even as fans you cannot get maguire parte jota sane griezmann or for tottenham's perspective building a new stadium so that cannot happen unless you play so many games a season So if you're concerned about the health aspect of or the fitness aspect of players then you should also accept that player that teams cannot go and spend 200 million every summer and modern football you know you go on any social media you see people and fans demanding that amount of you know uh, expenses every summer by every big club secondly with regards to regulations if you make something like uh, substitutions or rolling substitutions or something that would help players get more fit it enables clubs which have more money so obviously your big clubs will profit from it and it's it's not i feel fair to then say that they can profit while i mean they can adhere to lesser or stricter rules while the other clubs don't need to do that i feel that also makes it a bit unfair so when it comes to solution perspective i think when covid is obviously you know still around uh, maybe the domestic cup competitions don't need to take place temporarily uh, and obviously player cuts would help and maybe even uh, cancelling a few friendlies might help temporarily i think uh, when when covid is not an issue and you know when things get back to normal normalcy next season and the season after uh, i don't really think there is a solution for it honestly unless the 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 demands get reduced because at the end the fan who's watching the game on tv or the fan going to the stadium to watch the game and pay they are the ones who are going to be paying more and more money because the demand for football is going higher and higher and there is no way to stop it unless you everyone keeps the the balance between finance fitness and tradition kind of you know in check and finds a good mix of those three okay uh, but in terms of you know you spoke about you know, the liverpools and the united spending millions and millions on players but uh, i just give i'm sorry i just give an example I'm, i mean, again i wasn't attacking liverpool no 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 no, no. Yeah. I, all i'm saying is isn't that a react would you think that's a reaction to the fact that they have such a congested fixture that they have to kind of go uh, towards getting player that they need that squad depth you know otherwise if there was no if the fixture wasn't as congested as it is right now that maybe klopp would have been okay with Uh, 20 man, what 21 to 25 man squad or how many of them look but how many how many people of 25 actually do play first firstly I, and secondly I know, like I play play what though no play like a lot of football because liverpool traditionally like for the cup games for example for the past two years yeah. they play you team that's but fact, in, right intermixed with our bench players and reserves right yeah 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 but basically what i'm saying is the first team is like the Premier League starting eleven usually does yeah, not yeah. feature no yeah. matter what the occasion. So yeah. Liverpool have found that way to you know keep that in check. 
um, because they are focusing solely on the Premier League or the Champions yeah. League. But yeah. look, there are some the Bayer clubs usually play like 50 games a season, and you you know Burnley, with all due respect to those you know mid-table clubs, Burnley, Newcastle, all of them don't have European commitment. so they can afford to have a, a smaller squad. But traditionally, you know, traditionally you could say the big four and off late the big six, they have obviously have more games. They obviously play more games and yeah, they should have a bigger squad and use the resources as optimally as possible. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, to be honest. Okay. All right. Uh, Alankit, what are your thoughts on, or what are your uh, suggestions on this? Um, so, personally, I think I would look at how they can uh, give more clarity to the scheduling and the fixture list so teams can plan better so that both international and club football isn't in such a big mess like fatigue and congestion, etc. So, I don't mind the international break the way it is. The, I just feel like there needs to be more purpose behind it. So if I would, yeah, if I would like see a solution in place, it would be like maybe have the first few months, like maybe the starting or like before the, I mean, after the end of the season and like just before the season gets completely with all the momentum and everything, the first international break go, that can be the time for like friendlies. And after that, you can kick on with the Nations League and everything. Uh, so like, you know, try and organize the international calendar slightly better. So, Everything doesn't have to overlap each other. So, like, if I have to draw a parallel to, like, another sports, like, cricket, like, BCCI and UFR, both of them love making money. And the BCCI has found a way to put the IPL in its place, have the international calendar running, also have the other domestic competitions like the Ranji Trophy and the Syed Mishtakali Trophy and whatnot running behind scenes. And players don't get abused in the way they play. I mean, I know cricket and football have different... Uh, calendar schedules, players don't play games throughout the year and all that, but you can look at the way they've managed to organize the calendar and make do with only the games they need. Because uh, a few years ago in cricket, there used to be a competition called Champions League T20 and that was crap because it was too many games. Players were not able to feature and all that. So you need to find the correct timing to do the correct kind of competitions like friendlies, you can, they are important. You just find the correct time to do it. And then once the season starts, you just have the Nations League competitions and then back to the domestic domestic calendar. And you just try to form a more organized set of schedules. Okay, uh, Arjun, you, you wanted to say something on this before, right? Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to say that since this topic is about Nations League, like I feel maybe if people consider this not as a friendly, but also not as an international tournament, uh, so maybe if people coin the term competitive friendly. I know it's very counterintuitive, but <laughs> if, if that's, if that's how people look at it, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the approach to accepting Nations League would be different because I think that's honestly where it is. It's a, it's, it's, it's a friendly tournament. I mean, it's a tournament competitively that is played, uh, uh, to have a competitive edge instead of just playing pointless international friendly. And I think that's a sentiment that maybe even Daryl and probably the others as well on on this podcast agree with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do see the sense behind that because, like, I think a year or so ago, even the, the hierarchy at Bayern, like Uli said, uh, nobody would miss the Nations League if it wasn't there because, like, it, it didn't really make any difference to anybody. Exactly. And and I think 
uh, for any tournament as well, like it takes time to build a reputation. So, you know, 10 years down the line, like there would be clubs that focus on getting to a national tournament just purely because of using the Nations League route. Uh, I feel that's also a possibility, which is very, I mean, too early to comment on right now because usually tournaments don't get, uh, don't get that instant, um, uh, reputation. Like even I know you drew comparisons yeah. with, with cricket and football, even the IPL, like it, it was a huge success, but I think after the first two years, there was still a, you know, especially when the controversy and stuff happened, uh, with ball tampering in the in in, in the beginning, there was a, a doubt whether it would actually succeed or not because other cricket tournaments like the ICL failed. So so you know it it does take a few years to see if something is actually a success or a failure. But I think down the line it could actually become a competition where teams you know use that route to target. Like in domestic comp competitions, some teams just target those competitions to enter Europe, as yeah. Arsenal have done in the past couple of years. So. Uh- but Arjun, you mentioned like uh, a while ago, you mentioned that because of the COVID, uh, you know, situation and everything, you would kind of scrap the, you would temporarily scrap yeah. the domestic competitions and uh, the domestic friendlies, but keep the Nations League as a whole. Would you say that's because of the Euros that's coming up and the fact that these players need to gel in with their international teammates or, or. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I, because it's, no, no, it's, but, it's about. Sorry, had, had the, sorry, but had, had the Euros not been there, would it be that you scrap the Nations League for now and then keep the international, like, would you have said the opposite? <laughs> Look, I know what you mean, but I feel in one way or another, players need to get competitive action for their national team. Or at least they should get, there should be a level playing field with how much action they get competitively. But given and that they should agree to a number. I feel right now, with the uh-huh. Nations League, it's a good balance because uh, when COVID isn't an issue, obviously it attracts a lot of fans, as I mentioned initially. But um, yeah, I, I believe like it's the the domestic uh, friendlies or domestic cup competitions. If I think that's what I was talking about, they could be yeah. scrapped during COVID. That's kind of what I mentioned. Not about the international friendlies. Okay, all right. I, yeah. I think you did mention it, but anyway, let's, oh, okay. let's keep it. Yeah, anyway. All right. Uh, lastly, Daryl, your thoughts on the uh, your solution to this? I think definitely there is uh there is good in the nations league, especially helping the smaller nations uh get matches. I think that was one of the main that was one of the intentions of uh the nations league also. So those teams um Kazakhstan or the other nations will always struggle. And when they play friendlies, they always get hit uh, five, six, seven nil. The Nations League at least allows them to play with teams who are um, at the same level as them, and it's competitive for them. And at the top end, you have England, Spain, and Germany, and France who will always be thrown in the same group together, and it's competitive for them as well. So definitely, the Nations League needs to stay, and therefore, I I feel there's no need for friendlies. So we should just in all friendly matches, especially during the, the European League season, and just focus on the Nations League or uh, on the qualifiers as well. And uh, the Nations League on its own is already so confusing because it allows certain teams um, to get in or another chance to qualify for a Euros or even for a World Cup. And um, 
it's very difficult um, to understand, but I think uh, UEFA will somehow manage. Um, I think for us, uh, we always want football to remain as it is. Uh, we don't want it to be fixed with. I remember that when the Premier League brought up the option of playing a 39 game overseas and uh, everybody was against it, especially uh, in England. And even some fans uh, in Singapore were thinking like, why are we doing this? You know, you could have Spurs playing uh, Burnley in Singapore or in Australia or somewhere in China. And we're thinking like, why are you doing this? Like nobody wants uh, wants this to happen. Um, but I think on UEFA side or on the club side, the owners, when they look at it, they are all thinking um, we have a good product. How can we make it better? It's like how we are at work and uh, we are in a certain department and we think how can we make it more efficient or how can we make the department better? I think that's how they approach um, organizing football. And um, to us, it doesn't make sense. We, we like the Premier League as it is. I don't know, maybe um, the, the German League and the Spanish League like it the way it is. And uh, we don't want it to be messed with. But then you get the owners uh, who come in and, and they want to make changes. And I think that's what UEFA has done, trying to introduce um, the Nations League. But you still have like the English FA going around trying to organize friendlies. Um, to to me, you know, there's no need for friendlies if you still have the, the Nations League. La. So I will keep the Nations League for for teams, for national teams to get their experience. And um, yeah, wouldn't change much. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, firstly, I completely agree with Daryl, but I also think that um, I just remembered what you were referring to. I kind of misunderstood you there too a little bit. But um, but no, I, I think uh, as long as uh, people, you know, market the Nations mm. League as a competitive friendly tournament, um, I think then it's okay to like phase out the friendlies because right now mm. I think a lot of people think that there is a stark contrast between international friendlies and a competitive tournament like the Nations League. And if if that line is kind of a bit hazier, then I think it, it makes sense to, you know, agree uh, uh, to, you know, completely only focus on Nations League as the only international tournament before... before yeah. uh, I mean, I, 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 every time I, I go into an international break, I feel like, what am I watching here? Am I watching the Nations League? Am I watching an international friendly? Or am exactly, I watching a yeah. qualifier? Because there are three different things. And even for a person who loves football, I cannot make heads or tails of which, what I'm actually watching. Because if it's a friendly, it's something that I can just watch with ease. I can probably even sleep through it at times because it's not really that, I mean, nothing that really affects me. If it's a Nations League, okay, it's slightly more interesting. Yes, there is an end. I mean, there is an end to it and there is a trophy at the end of this, something to fight for. If it's World Cup qualifiers, sure, there's also even more drama, especially if like a Minnow team is in a chance, with a chance to qualifying. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's like a, it's like a popery of international games that I just can't wrap my head around. And I feel like, yeah, we, I also see where Daryl's coming from that we don't want things to be messed around with. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't care. Just go ahead. No, I just wanted to uh, uh, add to your point. Like um, you said, it's a popular thing. So popular usually smells nice. This doesn't <laughs> anyway. Definitely. Spot yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it doesn't. And yeah, so for me, I think certain things do need to be simplified just so that it just kind of makes sense for everyone else just watching and you know what you're watching. 
because you don't want some, to watch something that you think is actually important then later realize that it was just completely pointless and so and especially now i yeah i mean it's even more of a i mean i guess we're discussing this right now because of the climate around us i mean whatever's been happening the whole pandemic and everything because i think a, a year back this wouldn't have made such an interesting topic i'm sure we would have probably had more to dissect the nation league but you know talking about its relevance and talking about the whole relevance about international breaks i think that's something that's probably brought up coming to light because of what's been happening and because of what's been happening not only in the world but especially to football players and that affects each and one of our clubs uh but all right so guys i guess that's about it for this particular podcast episode um uh, thank you alankit arjun daryl chinmay for being a part of this podcast it was a pleasure having you on here and yeah i mean it's going to be interesting to see how this whole pans out because this the criticism that international breaks has been faced i don't think it's ever reached such height as this current uh, year and we don't know maybe it will go back to being what it was once things get hopefully get better but until then this definitely has brought about hopefully some sort of rethink to how international break should be treated uh so thanks again for being on this podcast and i can't wait to host you all in the near future and thank you for sharing your opinions on this matter yeah yeah it was definitely a pleasure to be on this sorry i was again good discussion awesome yeah as always man thanks for having us Uh, yep. all, always good to talk about football something that's common across countries so yeah all good awesome all right yeah thank you perry for organizing no problem there and uh yeah thanks alankit in particular for bringing up this topic and i'm glad we could have this on especially during this week i'm glad that the international break also happened this week so that i didn't have to push this on to another week where maybe i felt it would have been really more relevant it just happened the next week after so Thanks Alankit for that. Um and yeah, thank you all for tuning into the podcast. If you've either joined us for this particular episode or if you've kind of done a binge binge listen to our previous podcast and have joined us through this as well. So, thank you all here. And if you do like the football content that we've been putting out either the FFS podcast series or the MWS series if you like even that, which I do suggest you go listen to on a Wednesday on every Wednesday. Uh if you do like the football content we have been putting on then please do rate us you can follow us on seven different podcast platforms like Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and particularly you can count your Amazon Music and I think as well Pandora I'm not sure but I think we're getting our uh I've subscribed for that and should be getting a confirmation for that as well so yeah so at least 6 to 7 so if you've got a home pod mini you can listen to us on that as well so yeah i i guess that's about it for episode number 8 of the ffs podcast i'm your host pradi once again i'll see you all next sunday you stay safe and see you